you a fan of this podcast? Do you wish there was even more juicy content for you to sink your ears into? Well, there is. You can become a premium member of this podcast for $5.99 a month and get full access to an archive of over 50 bonus episodes. Additionally, we release a bonus episode every single month. That's a ton of extra content, including my personal interior design diaries, extra tips, my talking about trends, and so much more. Additionally, you'll be keeping us on the airwaves each and every week because your premium membership money goes directly back to making this podcast amazing. Check us out at affordableinteriordesign.com. Click on podcast to learn more and to become a premium member today. high-end designer or a lot of money to get a luxe look be your own interior designer this is affordable interior design the podcast here's your host betsy hellman i have a confession to make i've done well i've done a bad thing i've done something i told you guys never to do not only did i do it once i did it twice And I'm just going to come clean because typically I save my confessions for the premium episodes that almost serve as a design diary, at least they have during this move, where I've been processing my designs, processing the struggle of moving into this house, processing just the idea of sort of getting this house that you felt like was the dream house and then having the realities of the house uh, take over. And it still is a very special house. I would do the same thing all over again, but my eyes were so clouded, my judgment so clouded by my love for this house and my year and a half search, right? I finally found the thing that I felt like I'd been thinking about my whole search I found this and I just had to have it versus looking more closely, more realistically at like what that would mean. And when you fall in love, you don't see the warts. Do you guys remember? You know, think back to your current partner, a past partner, when you just fall madly in love. I remember saying to my partner's mother, I said to his mother, I said, your son is perfect. I don't know what you did. But your son is absolutely perfect. And I am so grateful for the man you raised because there's nothing wrong with him. He's just a perfect specimen of a person. And that was probably like a month in, right? We'd been dating for about a month. I don't think we were engaged at that point. We did get engaged after 10 weeks, but I don't think we were quite engaged at that point. And then I married him. And like the week after I married him, I'm like, oh my gosh. What was wrong with me? You have this problem and this problem, and I still would have married him. I still love him. He's still an amazing person 12 years later, but he's not perfect. And I didn't see that. And if I would have known that I was going into this, I still would have gone in, leapt with both feet, but uh, I would have prepared (laughs) mentally, emotionally. Same thing with the house. You know, if I would know that every time I turn in the shower, it would spray all over the bathroom floor, well, 
I would go in knowing that I'm going to have to, you know, get a handyman, get a plumber. If I went in looking deeply and finding squirrel urine, soaking the insulation of the cottage, well, I would have still purchased it, but I would have known, uh, we're going to have to rip out some of that insulation so that it stops smelling like urine. Okay. (laughs) These are just things you discover. Well, anyway, that's not the confession. I don't know how I got there, but let me bring it on back. Let me reel it back because I'm obviously trying to avoid this confession, obviously. Oh yeah, I was talking about premium episodes and you can hear all about that drama if you're a premium member in that. And if you're not a premium member, head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash podcast and you'll hear all the drama, all the stories. Oh my gosh. And for only $5.99 a month, you can get up to, uh, I think there's like 70 bonus episodes currently. So you'll have just lots to hear and experience. Okay. Let me share a little confession with you right here. I have this beautiful stained glass in my dining room. I really love the stained glass. It's so beautiful. When I saw it in the listing, when I saw it in person, it was just perfect. And then I bought the house and I was like, oh, there's like several pieces broken. It would not have changed. I would have still bought the house. I have no plans on repairing this intricate stained glass, which just would have been nice to know. Anyway, several panes are broken. Who cares? That's not the problem. It's very colorful. And you can see the stained glass all the way from when you walk in the house. So I based the entire color palette of the house off of this stained glass. It has navy. It has gold. It has emerald green. It has like some orange. It's very colorful, very lively, and it changes based on the light in the room. It is a, oh, I don't know. I don't even know what exposure it is. I'll have to get out my compass. But it does get a lot of afternoon sun and the colors totally change. Oh, it's south. No wonder it's always so bright and light. I just figured it out because I can see the sun setting over here. Okay. Anyway, Um, it is south facing and the stained glass changes throughout the day. And I based all the colors, all the paint, everything off of this palette. It is the inspiration piece for the entire downstairs area. Okay. I wanted to make a bold statement. As you know, I did my rainbow of fruit flavors and did a lot of bold colors on the wall paint more than I would normally say is appropriate, but it's my space and I can break my rules if I want to. And I wanted to. So I have a yellow foyer. I have a navy TV room. I did restrain myself and have a cream living room. But the dining room, I wanted to make a brilliant deep purple. So I take my paint fan and I hold it up against this stained glass and I find a color I think is pretty good, pretty good. And then I find a couple colors that I think are also pretty good, but very different, but still in that deep saturated plum purple family. I go to the hardware store and I buy my samples because I'm a very good girl, especially with bold colors that I'm not familiar with. I'm not always a good girl, but in this house, I wanted to dot my I's, cross my T's, everything be perfect. This is the forever home, whatever forever means. I buy my samples. I put them on the wall. I find one that I really like. The other two, easy to discard. I definitely like this one a lot better. I move forward with that color. Now, I have told you guys many times, purple is danger. Purple is a horrible color to work with. Do not use purple in your spaces. Certainly not a part of your 60, 30, 10. Use it only as your 10. And the reason is because... First of all, purple is a very divisive color. Along with orange, those are the two colors that most people do not like the most. They either love them or hate them, but a lot of people hate them. And if you're trying to appeal to most people, maybe avoid it. First issue. 
Second issue is if you look at a prism, purple is like the smallest kind of most volatile, I don't know science, right? But it's the smallest, most volatile sort of type of light. And so it can be very finicky. It's why purple is often associated with mysticism, like wizards, magic, that kind of thing, because it doesn't give us that feeling of confidence and stability. It's kind of uh, constantly moving and, and less less stable. The other reason is because it's very hard to match purples. Some purples have more blue and are more like a periwinkle. Some purples have more red and are more like a deep plum, even magenta. And there's this whole range in between and it's just nightmareville. Nightmareville because you've kind of picked something that looked like it had more red and you're trying to get it to match with something that has a little more blue And now they just look completely off and whatever. Okay. This paint color, when nighttime came, the painters did a great job. They painted the whole room. The room has some details that are a little tricky. Nighttime came and all of a sudden the doors, the stained glass did not match this paint color at all. In fact, it was at odds. In fact, I really hated it. This is the only room in my personal life that I've ever had to repaint. I told the painters, guys, you did an amazing job. Luckily, it's just the first coat. For the second coat, I want you to use this color instead. That will work fine as a base coat. I mean, they were only one step away on the chart, but to me, it felt like worlds away, right? The guys were very obliging. I said, I will pay for the discarded cans. This is on me. This was my bad. They changed the color with the second coat. And during the day, it looks fabulous. During the day, I just love it. Perfect, wonderful, thank you guys, great job. I won't be asking you to redo all your work, I assure you. Nighttime comes. I look at that room. I hate it. It doesn't go at all. (laughs) Purple is such a horrible color. I am not gonna ask these poor guys to paint it again. I mean, they could charge me more. It's fine, right? I will pay it, but I don't wanna be that person. I would rather paint it myself. And, you know, if push comes to shove, I would pay them. But the problem is I have no um, reassurance that it's going to be better. I worry that this time around, this chameleon color that's sometimes blue, sometimes red, sometimes ah, but always a nightmare is just going to be a color that I hate during the day and love at night. What am I going to do? I'm probably just going to leave it, but you know, I need to follow my own freaking advice. And then I doubled down on this. Of course I did. So my daughter's last room was teal and we were all feeling really good about that. But in the new space, she wanted a new vibe. And I was like, okay, well, any color in the rainbow, let's choose it. Let's go for it. And she picked purple. And I was like, okay, great. No. No, mommy, this is the part where you come in and guide your daughter. I'm here to use my expertise, everything I've learned over the course of my lifetime, to direct her in a path that will hopefully make her more successful. Instead, I say, yes, let's do the purple. We do the purple. I let her choose the one. It came out really beautifully. But then I try and buy drapes. I try and buy a duvet. I try and buy a rug. And that purple has to be perfect with this purple. And of course, the drapes she likes, the duvets she likes. It's close, but no cigar. 
I purchased two duvets. Both of them were offensively different than the wall paint. I'm like, oh my gosh. And it's again, just that subtlety. There is no room for error with purple. You can have room for error with cranberry. You can have room for error with navy. Even if it's not the exact same kind of navy, we're all going to forgive you. There's tons of room for error with like an emerald green or a yellow ochre. Oh my gosh, that's totally fine. With purple, you get it right or you return it. And return has been the story of the day with two duvets. My daughter is going with the flow. She's living with bedding that came from my king bed that doesn't fit her bed because I just don't have any bedding for her right now as we fumble through our purple issues. I hate returning things more than I hate going to the dentist, more than I hate um, squirrel urine soaking my insulation. I hate returns. I hate putting the label on. I hate calling the company. I hate taking it to FedEx. Ugh. And I just don't want to buy anything else and have to return it. So she's just going to live with king-size bedding on her tiny bed. Anyway, that's my purple shame. I don't know if you can resonate with that, but do learn from my mistakes. As a professional designer of two decades, I should have known. Do not paint rooms purple. Use purple in 10% doses throughout your space and no more. No matter how much you love purple, no matter how dramatic you think it's going to be, it's probably just going to look off and weird. And it's very hard to get purple just right. And if you do, you win a merit badge from me, but I rarely see it. And I certainly don't see it in my new dream home. <laughs> and I'm going to try and look past that because, 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 because. Let's move on. I have gotten some amazing questions from you guys. Before I launch in and answer them, I want to just remind you that we are halfway through our contest. So this contest is all about me showing my gratitude for you, to you, for writing reviews, for keeping this show on the air with all of your amazing support. All you have to do is go to iTunes, leave a five-star review about your love for the show. This month, I'm going to register everyone who uh, writes a review in to win. Uh, you'll be in a drawing, and I'm going to pick three people who are going to get my online class about feng shui. I picked my online class about feng shui because it's something I talk about less on the podcast, so I think it'll be really informative, quite interesting. I hope you enjoy it. It's typically a $40 value, and it'll take you four minutes to write a positive review. And those reviews mean so much to the show. They really help us to find new audiences. They help to validate us. They help us to get commercial sponsors. There's so many different ways that five-star reviews help us. So head over to iTunes and leave us a review. Affordable Interior Design, the podcast. Leave us five stars, please. And I will register you to win. And I will be announcing in early December the three winners so you can claim your online prize. All right. Now I get the prize of opening one of your letters from the mailbag. This first one comes all the way from Denver and Sonia writes, well, first, before I get to her question, I thought it was so interesting what she wrote here. You know, when people submit their questions, I ask a little bit about them just to understand more about their point of view and sort of how to speak to them. Do they want to be an interior designer? Do they have any experience in interior design? Are they a total newbie? Is this a hobby? And there is an other section as well. So Sonia wrote in the other, I'm very interested in interior design, but I struggle with monetary constraints. I worry constantly about what our space looks like. Sonia, you know, when I started interior design, well, before I thought I was going to be an interior designer, I designed every space I ever lived in. 
And I wanted it to feel really special, really unique, but I was broke, like broker than work, broke, like working at Planet Hollywood and scraping by. And anyway, I was working at Planet Hollywood after 9-11, so there were no tourists and I was not even scraping by. And it was really bad and a really hard time, but I wanted to feel very safe at home, especially in light of what was going on in New York City around me. And so I bought all my decor for my new apartment at the dollar store. I had a studio apartment that was 150 square feet. It was a converted broom closet, I would later learn. Um, And I lived on 46th Street, which if you guys know Manhattan, you know that's the center of Times Square. It was a cacophony of noise and oddness and... It was just a very weird time, but I managed to find this super tiny studio where I was so happy to be. I felt like I felt like I'd won the lottery uh, to have this space all to myself in this amazing city, but it felt so sterile. It actually kind of looked like a broom closet. So I went to the dollar store. I gave myself a budget of 20 bucks. I bought a lot of stuff. And while nobody would have called it sophisticated, Nobody was going to shoot it for a magazine. It felt so special to me. It felt so personalized to me. And also because I did it, I put the things where they went. I hung the plastic flowers around the chalk wall. I decorated the loft bed and actually got sheets from the trash. Anyway, don't ask. Very complicated. I was a dumpster diver as well. Um, And... Oh, and I used an old shower curtain and cut it in two for my drapes. And I just, because I didn't have um, grommets at the time or whatever, I just used the holes that are already punched in a shower curtain. But I didn't want to use the shower curtain rings because it's going to look like a shower curtain. So I took ribbon that I got from the 99 cent store and tied these delightful bows. And I just made everything as special as I could. And then when it was as special as it could be, I didn't really hesitate to invite people over to my broom closet because this is who I am right now. There's something about honoring who you are right now, honoring what you're able to do, either financially, energetically, spiritually, emotionally, meeting yourself where you are versus wishing you were somewhere else. There's a beauty and an authenticity in that that I think is really important. So Sonia, even if you're designing with 20 bucks at freaking Dollar Tree, or if you have a slightly bigger budget, I just want you to feel proud of your space, even if it's just proud of your space for you. Does that make sense? Like maybe you don't have people over. Maybe it's your safe space that lights you up. Maybe nobody wants to see your plastic flowers, but they make you feel good. Uh, It's not all about other people. I think the space that you live in first and foremost needs to fill you up. And second of all, can be a show piece and a place to host, et cetera. But the bottom line is you should feel peace at home. And you're not going to feel peace at home if you've maxed out all your credit cards, if you can't afford the decor you've bought. So don't stretch beyond your means, but know that beauty can be found in lots of places, including the dollar store. And now it's time for a quick commercial break. Do you love this podcast? Do you wish you could learn even more? Well, we have an online class bundle. 
Our online class bundle is comprised of three online classes, Beautifying Your Home for Less, Styling Your Home, and The Fundamentals of Feng Shui. Each one of those three classes is between 30 and 45 minutes long and chock-filled with visuals and tips things that will help you to style your own space or help out with other spaces. Additionally, with the pack of three classes, you get an autographed copy of my book, Affordable Interior Design. You get all of that for only $99. Once again, that's the three online classes as well as the book for only $99. You just go to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to buy your bundle today. And if one of those classes sounded intriguing, but maybe you already have my book or some of the other topics are not of interest, you can buy the classes individually at that site as well. Each class is $40. So head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to get your bundle or your online class today. Let me get to your question. Betsy, please help. You're our only hope. How do I transform our Frankenstein vents kitchen range hood into something livable? Husband upgraded our kitchen and installed an actual range hood. He had to cut holes under the drywall, under the microwave to make the airflow work. He covered them with mesh. See the pictures? They're a complete eyesore and we are so stumped. Though we might, we thought we might find a piece of stainless steel and have someone laser cut a pattern into that so that airflow could be achieved but we were told that we'd have to come up with a design to create some sort of computer document to give to people who could laser cut. What? That advice was way above our heads. And we've sat on this now for two whole years. Please help. We are getting rid of the holes in the drywall. Well, we'd like to, but I clarify, it's not actually possible without that range hood. And without a range hood, we're going to smoke the house out in the winter time. Please help. All right, let's look at this. Okay. Well, I see what you're talking about. It is pretty offensive. And the problem, Sonia, is that you are not tapping into my zone of genius because you do have, you know, for those of you who aren't following along on YouTube, you've got an electric range and above the electric range, you have a microwave that's embedded in the cabinetry right above. And there's only, I don't know, let me get a better view on this. There's only about a foot between the top of the stove and the bottom of the microwave, probably even less. And in that small gap, there's these two kind of stainless steel bordered vents that have mesh in front of them. They look like two little holes you've covered with screens, right? And they're rectilinear, they're a similar size, but they are indeed a pretty bad eyesore. This solution would need to be custom. I would like to see one long piece instead of two. And I know that you do have drywall in between the two holes. Either you could expand the hole and make it just one long hole, or you could just use the mesh or whatever new solution that you create and put it over the entire expanse so that you don't have the separation. If it weren't two pieces, it would look less cluttery and one piece would look a little bit more streamlined. In fact, huh, huh, on that point, hmm, let me think about what I'm about to say here. You know, they do have some really interesting metal trellis pieces if you go to Home Depot or whatever. I'm kind of thinking 
that you get this metal trellis stuff. There's probably a better word, but I don't manage renovations. But it's oftentimes the stuff that you might see in front of a radiator on a radiator cover. I would recommend that you buy that and have it extend all the way from behind the stove, the same width as the stove, all the way up behind the microwave. If it was one clean piece of sheeting that was perforated, I think it would be a much better look. It would almost look as if it was a feature. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, Betsy, I'm going to clearly be able to see these holes, right? Because the sheetrock and the holes are a different color. But what if you painted behind the metalwork something that was a little bit darker so it looked more similar to the shaded holes? So you're really kind of creating this interesting effect, right, where the painted drywall and the holes are the same color, and then you're overlaying the sheeting from all the way from the bottom of the microwave down behind the stove. So you've got this really clean effect. Now, the other option that's very affordable is they do have microwaves with range hoods at the bottom. I don't know if you've explored that. I don't know if that's something that you'd be tempted to look into because it would be more expensive than just buying, you know, metal radiator cover, whatever, at Home Depot. But these are some ideas I have for you. I don't want you to feel bad about your space. These are eyesores, but I think there are several affordable solutions. It's just about getting something that's perforated, something that's metallic, and maybe something that could be one cohesive piece rather than these cobbled together rectangles. Sonia, I'm not a renovator, so there's probably a podcast for that. But I do hope that my stories, my um, anecdote about the dollar store helps you not only to embrace your space and your limitations in a new way, but also gave you some insights on how to deal with this Frankenstein situation. All right, let's move to my next question. Next question comes from Stephanie, and Stephanie is writing in from Nashville. All right, Stephanie writes, I am Playroom Puzzled. Hi, Betsy. I enjoy your podcast so much and have learned so many things along the way. My family and I just moved into our potential forever home, and we are excited to get settled in. But decorating with confidence is not one of my strong suits. Our playroom is downstairs and open to the kitchen, living room, and dining room. It's perfect so my wild toddler can play while I work in the kitchen. But it also means I want for it to look polished. So storage cubes, baskets will be good for us. My question is, On which wall should I put the storage cabinet bench that I think will help us functionally and with the aesthetics? I've attached a picture of an idea I found from Pinterest using the IKEA Calyx storage cubbies. For those of you who don't know the IKEA name, the Calyx storage cubbies are like the square cubbies that come in lots of different configurations. You can lay them on their side. You can put them up vertically, and they do make a good bench height. They're also a really good bookcase. They've been around for since before I was a designer, which is 17 years. And so I know you know the ones I'm talking about and Stephanie's referring to, even if you don't know the name. The room has a large window on the wall that you face when you look into the room, so it's a very nice focal point. Do I have to try and fit the cabinets on the window wall so that we only have one focal point, or can I put the storage cabinets bench on another wall? If so, which one? The one you would see when entering the living area or the one that would be hidden unless you were in the dining area? I have attached a few pictures. I hope this helps. Also, I need to get a big rug or floor mat that will be easy to clean with toddler spills for the room. 
I like the idea of a foam mat, but I wondered if you had any ideas for places that have more adult colors that look more like a rug. Thank you for your help, Stephanie. Stephanie, you've triggered me. I want to go back to your original question, but I can't because now we're talking about foam mats. I hate foam mats. I hate with a passion. I had toddlers. I had infants. I hate foam mats. I refuse to buy foam mats. The only foam mats I find even slightly tolerable are the ones that have the wood grain. I think it can be fun to like kind of be whimsical and make them try and match your wood flooring so they almost disappear. But overall, I just hate them with a capital H. So I'm really excited that you're interested in moving away from the foam tiles. I'm just going to answer this quick and easy question first because the other one's quite complicated and let you know that I love floor tiles. So floor tiles are those square carpet pieces that come in lots of colors, shapes, textures, um, so many patterns, so many price points, and they stick to themselves with these kind of industrial tacky stickers. They don't stick to your floor. So you can peel them up very easily. My kids spilled bubble bath on one. My friends spilled a bottle of wine on one. All of these are things that are not going to easily come out, but the floor tile itself easily comes out. So I just literally cut it out and I kept extra in my closet and I plopped a new one right in the hole and we were good to go. I highly recommend checking that out. They fit a variety of styles and budgets and they're just so practical for people with kids, people with pets, or people with friends who spill like mine. I also spill, by the way. I also spill. It was just not me that time. Uh, okay, so let's get to the other question about the layout of the room. Now, you guys know from listening to my podcast that the one thing I don't weigh in on is the living room layout or any layout, not just living room, not just playroom, layouts in general, because I have a proprietary method that I use every time to create the perfect layout for every room. And I need to do my due diligence and go through all of sort of my um, process with that. And I can't easily do that without talking to you and learning more information. So I don't ever like to give uh, specific feedback on layouts. That being said, I can give you things to think about, things to consider, places to start. The thing about a playroom is there's a lot of clutter. There's big toys, there's small toys, and I do love the calyx. I had the calyx in my playroom. Instead of having the low one that serves as a bench, I had the really high five by five, and it could do anything. It held the diapers and baskets. It held books, those deep books, like the larger ones that kids have. The calyx is um, a little bit deeper than a normal bookcase, so they fit really nicely bins of Legos, toddler toys. It all worked really well, but it can be very visually cluttered if you don't use bins, especially the bigger ones. Now, you had mentioned putting this calyx on its side under the window to use it as a bench. Just to paint the picture, when I'm in the main space, I can easily see right in. There's like a very big, maybe eight foot opening into this playroom. Thus, the playroom only really has three walls, right? And the wall opposite the great big opening is the window. So I see why you're calling that the focal point. Uh, and yes, that can be the focal point in the room. But right under the window, you have a vent. If you put the calyx there, it's going to completely shut off that airflow source. So I worry that that could be problematic to get heating and cooling into the room. Also, while the window is a focal point, the toys are not a focal point. I do not want that to be the first thing I see when I walk into this playroom. I would much rather you flank this window with a beautiful, fun, playful, patterned drapes. Uh, 
and then put the storage on the sides. So it's kind of what I see in my periphery, but not what I see in my main glimpse as I'm walking by. The other thing you may want to consider because let's see, scrolling through your pictures, it doesn't look like there's much wall on either side. So you really couldn't do a barn door, anything like that. You couldn't even do pocket doors in this space. But what you could do is do a drape on the outside that you could easily pull back and forth, say it was on grommets. So that way I could close this space off visually because some of these toys, like, uh, I don't even remember what that thing is called anymore, where it pushes, you know, your kid can learn to walk with it. And then it has all the activities on the other side. And then of course the baby stroller. I think you even have baby fireplace tools here. That's a first for me, little play school fireplace tools. And then of course you have the big climbing tunnel, the jumperoo. These things are never going to fit in a calyx or any storage unit. And sometimes we just don't want to see that stuff. I certainly wouldn't want to see all that stuff when I'm making dinner or making like a midnight stack if the kids are asleep, right? I think drapes would be a very nice thing to install even on this side. And I would want them to maybe coordinate with the drapes you find inside. And of course, they're going to have to coordinate with the main area's decor to make everything feel very cohesive. I don't think that the calyx is a misstep. It just bothers me that it doesn't have doors. I think you need bigger storage solutions, something more like a Pax or a Vesta that could have some open areas but could ultimately have doors where we could shut these items away. Kids' toys are all these very vibrant colors. Typically, your main living area is not going to be that vibrant. So they could be overwhelming. They could harm the mojo of the other space. Just saying. Uh, so we really want to kind of hide them from view rather than making them so conspicuous. And certainly the bins on the calyx will do that. But for these items that don't always fit in a bin, you might need a larger solution. Or you may need to put them on some wall that's less conspicuous. Uh, so that way you're kind of keeping a more calm view, even though there's a lot of chaos going on. Well, I hope that helped to answer your questions. Guys, I just love your questions. You might have some and you might say, Betsy, how do I get my questions answered? You go over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash podcast. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash podcast. There you'll see a form to fill out and submit a question if you're a regular member. And if you're a premium member, I answer your questions in that forum and you get to hear even more of my shameful selections in my new house and beyond. So you just go over and press the I'm a premium member button. Not only can you enroll to become a premium member, but you can also support the show, get the additional content. I would be so grateful. So thank you to everyone for listening. Thank you to my premium members. Have a wonderful autumnal week and I'll catch you next time. Bye. You've asked for it and we have answered the call. For years you've been saying, Betsy, you're talking about all these great design concepts, but we can't visualize them. You're describing the picture that the listener sent in of their problem, and we wish we could see that picture too. After all, a picture is worth a thousand words, and I do my best to describe them, but there's nothing like seeing it for yourself. And that's why Affordable Interior Design, the podcast, now has a YouTube channel. 
Not only do we have a YouTube channel where you could see recordings and clips of these podcast episodes, we also have an Instagram, a Facebook, and so many other exciting things. You should check it out. Head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash links. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash L-I-N-K-S links. And when you go there, you will see links to our YouTube page, our Instagram page, our Facebook page, and more. Please check it out, follow and subscribe so you can see everything I'm talking about. A big thank you to our amazing producer, Catherine Heller, to Aton and the MBCR House Band, and to Affordable Interior Design, the sponsor of this podcast and the premier place to get an amazing look on a budget. Check out affordableinteriordesign.com. If you guys love the show, the very best way to support us is by spreading the word. Tell your friends or write us an awesome review on iTunes. So until next week, guys, thanks so much for joining us, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.